this morning. We want to look at the relevance of the gospel to all men. Hallelujah. Amen. The place of the gospel in the lives of all men. That's the focus God will be giving us this morning. You remember that last week we talked about the power of the gospel. We just want to look at the place of the gospel in the lives of all men. And when I mean men, I'm talking about man, woman, boys, and girls. It is still in line with the power of the gospel what the gospel is capable of doing or meant to do. But I thought we needed to look at it from a different perspective before we move on to look at how lives are transformed and communities are transformed with the preaching of the gospel. Because that's the hope for our generation. That's the hope for the world. In the good news of the kingdom of God is the hope of the entire creation. Hallelujah. Amen. With all the doom and the gloom that people can see around, the hope of all creation rests in the gospel. Hallelujah. And that's why we have a place as people of God in our society, in our communities. We have a place, a significant role to play there's hopelessness all around. People are helpless everywhere. And that is the truth about it. Even in the best of nations, even the most developed of nations, amen. amen. The gospel has a place in every life and in every community, every nation, every segment of society. The gospel of the kingdom has a place. And it has a place in the life of every, every man. I know I'm repeating that because sometimes we think some people 
The reason I'm emphasizing this is this. We think some communities, they don't need the gospel. We think some individuals, because outwardly to us, they look comfortable. They don't seem to have any fear or anxiety looking at them from outside. In fact, to us, they may look as if they don't even have any needs at all. And that is the mistake we can make. Because the gospel definitely has a place. Relevance. in the life of everyone you will ever meet. Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to look at this passage of the scripture from the Old Testament, pick it to the New Testament and see where God will have us round up this morning. Whether it will be a short message or a long one, I don't know yet. Let's turn our Bibles to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter 61, chapter 61. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, I'll take my reading from verse one. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings or good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the law, and the day of vengeance of our God. Hallelujah. To comfort all women, to console those women in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for money, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities the desolation of many generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's stop there. Here we are seeing the prophetic vision. concerning 
the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is coming will bring to the world. And I've told us before that for those who have now come to identify with Christ, whatever is true of him is true of us. Hallelujah. Whatever he has been, he has been anointed to do, we are equally anointed to accomplish as his representatives on the head today. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm praying that the Lord would open our eyes to that understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. For as he is, so are we in this world. That is a message for another day although I've mentioned it several times to us, what that actually meant. But coming here, we will see that it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Let's start from there. To the poor. Now, the tendency here is to think that the poor being referred to are those who don't have material possession or money. Why is they are included? To be poor is actually beyond this. It's to be in a position of need that you are not able to meet by yourself without help. Hallelujah. To be poor in the sight of God, according to divine definition, is to have a need in any aspect of your life that you are not able to meet by yourself. It is to have a lack in an area of your life that prevents you from being the real man or woman that God really wants you to be. Not just lack of money, not just lack of material things, even though that is included. Poverty is not limited to that. In fact, the way to describe it is, and I'll show us from the scripture. It is an area of your life where you are bankrupt. where you are wretched, 
and you cannot meet your own need. Have you not seen people who are intellectually rich but morally bankrupt? They are poor in that area. Are you following me? Have you, seen, have you not seen people who have power? In that area, they seem to be rich. But emotionally, they are bankrupt. They can't deal with their own emotional turmoil or problems. You get the point I'm making? Every man has an area of need that they cannot meet. Whether they admit to it or not, there's no single man since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden that is truly able to meet all of his own needs without God. And that's why when you see people who seem to be in, you know, living in very posh areas, riding very expensive cars and things like that, don't think they don't have need. They have need that they cannot meet. Hallelujah. Does a man who seems to be rich, wealthy, but does not know how to be a good husband or a good parent in the house, is that not a man in need? Is that not a poor man in that area? If you ask the people living with him or her, they will tell you this, this is, you are poor in this area. You have everything else, but there is something you don't have and you cannot give. Because what you don't have, you cannot give it. Is this, does it surprise you? Why many of the people we call celebrities cannot keep their own homes? No, let, let's face it. Every man has a need somewhere. Admit it. Are you following the point I'm making? It is those who are within their vicinity that we know the area of their bankruptcy. But the tendency is that most people are have a blind, they, they have, or let me say this, it's either they are blind and they cannot recognize their own area of need or they are deliberately denying it. Hallelujah. But the reality is that there's an area of poverty in everyone. There's, there are areas people are bankrupt. When people who are supposed to look at the vulnerable are taking advantage of them, do you not know that that is an area of bankruptcy in their life? Are you getting the point I'm making? Yeah. They are bankrupt, simple. They cannot meet their own needs in that area. They need help. And in the spiritual bankruptcy, you have everything else, but spiritually you are empty. You are empty. And the gospel has a place in addressing all of this. 
Look at what Paul said about himself. He was a religious man to the core. In Romans chapter 7, let's quickly go there. In Romans chapter 7, the essence of this morning's teaching is to know that the gospel is relevant to everyone you meet. This good news is relevant to everyone. Even the religious who have not taught the life that is in the gospel. Look at what Paul said about himself. A religious man. But look at what he said in Romans chapter 7. And I'll read verse 24. All wretched man that, okay, maybe I should read the verses before then. He says, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see, that's from verse 22, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Are you following me? Inability to overcome sin. Something you know that this is wrong and yet you feel powerless in dealing with hate. You are held bound by it. Something you don't want to do. You find yourself helpless in dealing with it. It may be your anger, your temper. You can't control it. You just lose it. Say, I just lost it. You are bankrupt in that area because you can't help yourself. You need help. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. Here was a religious man who go into his life another day. And look at how he concluded. Oh, wretched or wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you get it? He had to admit to his own bankruptcy in that area. I'm wretched here. I don't have what it takes to help myself. And anyone listening to me, whether here on this platform or after this meeting, you are a poor man in the areas where you cannot help yourself and you need one to help you. This is what the gospel is about. It may be your emotional emptiness. The gospel is about helping you in that area. That is why it is good news. Stop struggling in that area. Acknowledge your bankruptcy. Accept the gospel, which is able to meet that area of your need, of your poverty, where you cannot help yourself. But look at what Paul said. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the Lord of God. What I couldn't do, I can now do. Hallelujah. That is the gospel. 
The gospel is about the help of God for man through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it is good news. Stop striving. Trust in the Lord who can change you. Religion will not be able to change you. You must most of all admit to your bankruptcy. Hallelujah. Can you see a, a typical example? May the Lord give us understanding of this truth in Jesus' name. Let me show you another example of people who were supposed to be a church, but they thought they were satisfied in everything. And when the Lord looked at them, he said, no, you are poor. You are wretched. Let's turn to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 3. So this gospel is relevant anywhere you turn, whether among the religious or those who may seem to be irreligious. There's a place for the gospel in the life of everyone. The good news of Jesus Christ is relevant to every life. There are many people outwardly you think they are capable. They stand tall. They stand big like that. But when you touch the area of their knee, you see them break down like babies. Are you following me? Those of us who carry this gospel, We must know that it is relevant to everyone, even those who are in denial of their poverty. Look at what Revelation chapter 3 says. In Revelation chapter 3, the Lord was talking to a church, the Laodicean church. It says, um, okay, maybe if I start from verse 14, it says, and to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, this thing says the amen and the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your words, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. But that's not really where I'm going. Look at the next verse there, verse 17. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garment that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. 
as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and be with him. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? A religious set of people crowding themselves in what they have, their material wealth, and everything they thought they had, but in the highest of the Lord, they were poor. They were poor. And the only way their poverty can be fixed is to embrace the truth of the word of God. Is to embrace the Lord himself who is able to help them to fix the areas where they are in need. Amen. That's what the gospel is meant to do. The gospel is for the poor. It's for those who, who can identify an area of need in their lives. And there's no single person born into this world who does not have an area of need. That's the point we have made this morning. And can you see how the gospel is relevant to every man? Just from that first point alone, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get that point where the Lord is trying to communicate to us this morning? Amen. So anyone and think, oh, they don't have a need. Maybe my, my, the gospel I'm going to preach is not relevant to them. Even if they say, I don't need it, they actually need it. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, in that what is called the Beatitude, the, the Sermon on the Mountain. Verse 3 says, the opening says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. So it can be spiritual poverty. And anyone without God is spiritually poor. Amen. Anyone without a place for the word of God in their heart is spiritually poor. Amen. So the gospel has a place for the need of everyone to be met. And that is why we must not hide the gospel from anyone. Go back to Isaiah 61. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Brothers and sisters, if I ask you, have you not seen many people who are, whose hearts have been broken? Maybe by through disappointment, by people they trust, people they rely on, 
Have you not seen, have you not met people like that before? Have you not had people who have told you because of certain experiences, my heart is broken? That is what the gospel is meant to feed. The gospel has the power to meet the need of everyone in their area of need and bankruptcy. The gospel has the power to fix the broken heart. When people tell you about things where they are, about areas where they have suffered great disappointment, where their heart has been hurt through the behavior of others around them, then that is a point for you to bring the gospel. Because their broken heart can only be fixed through the one who can never disappoint them. Hallelujah. Amen. Point them to the one who can fix their broken hearts. They tell you, you don't know how much this thing hurts. I, I quite understand what you're saying. But there's one who can fix it for you. Can you see the place of the gospel? Can you see how relevant it is to everyone we meet? Tell them the broken heart can be fixed. And there are several examples of people who thought they can never be the same person again because of the kind of thing that happened to them. But through the power of the gospel, they were brought back again. Hallelujah. Amen. The gospel has a place for the broken heart. The disappointed. Let's go further. Because of my time to proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Do you remember what we were reading about Paul? Even sin is a captivity in itself. Things you struggle about. And some of them, they are only known to you. The things you are, you are struggling about, they seem to have held you bound rather than staying in them. And day to day, waking up in them and, you know, lamenting and regretting, turn to the one who can, who can liberate you from it. It can be anything. And I've talked about several things that can keep people in captivity. They just seem to have a stronghold over your life. You know it. This area is all right. This one is okay, this one. But there is this thing that is holding you captive. And you know that with it, you are not who God will want you to be. You know it in yourself, even who you yourself you would like to be. The gospel is to bring liberty, freedom to those who are in such a situation where you seem to be caged in. The gospel is meant to deal with that. And several of us will have met people like that. Many areas of their lives seem to be okay. But there are these other areas where they seem to be held bound. There are things I cannot say here, but the reality is that 
there are many areas people are bound. And as they share this with you, you, you relate with people, you associate with people. Why not point them in the direction of the one who can help them? They may not know how much the gospel can do in their life, but the gospel has the power to liberate the captive. That is the truth about it. Hallelujah. There is deliverance in God. Invite them to test and see if the Lord cannot fix that area of their life. That's what the gospel is about. If they can believe it truly. Look at it. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound, still in the same direction. Many people are imprisoned. And you know that the prison here, I mean, yes, it can be physical. That's true. Those who have done one thing or the other, committed one thing or the other. And I've seen several testimonies of people who were met in physical prisons. Are you following me? Met there physically in, in, a, in a prison. And their lives never remained the same again because they were transformed as they heard the gospel, the word of God. Several people like that. And you will see several testimonies. Go on YouTube. And you will hear several testimonies of people like that. But do you know what? The greatest imprisonment is not actually the four walls of a prison. The greatest imprisonment is in the heart of men. There are many who are imprisoned in their heart. Are you getting me? They are imprisoned in their soul, in their mind. They are bound. And it's when you listen to people that you know, even if you don't listen to them, like we were saying yesterday, the word of God has a way of discerning the need of everyone. God will give you a word that will touch that area of their lives. Because the gospel is meant to bring fullness of life to all. Look at the next one. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the, the Jubilee. That's what the Jubilee is about. A year of release from enslavement, from captivity. Brothers and sisters, you only need to know the things people struggle about and you will know that they need help from God. And for many, it's not a deliberate refusal of the gospel. It's because nobody has told them what the gospel of Christ is meant to do, or no one has presented the gospel to them in the way that they can understand and seek the help that can only come from God. Hallelujah. Look at it. And the day of vengeance of our God. I talked about that not too long ago. Of course, there are people who have felt cheated, who have felt robbed, defrauded, and they are wondering, will this person go scot-free? There's a day of vengeance of the Lord. For every wrongdoing, there's a day God will punish everything. That's the truth about it. We can't hide it from the gospel. Are you following me? Like I said, yes, it brings consolation to people, 
who were wandering. People have used their position of power to cheat them, to rob them. And they're wondering, would there not be something? God said, vengeance is mine and I will take it. It's not in your own hand. You may feel powerless about it, but God is the God of justice. By him, all actions are weighed. And of course, it's also a call of repentance to others who find themselves on the wrong side of the law because there's judgment. Amen. The gospel is not meant to bring condemnation. I said it brings conviction last week, but it's actually meant to lead to repentance and escape from divine judgment. That's what the gospel is meant to, to bring. There are those who have felt they have gone so far away from God. They have sinned so much that the only thing they can wait is, is, is the judgment of God. No. There is hope for repentance. There is hope for a change. There is hope for life, their life to be transformed again. Hallelujah. Some people may be expressing certain guilt or certain things to you. How their life has been wasted in one way or the other. They have not been able to do one something or the other when they should have done them, maybe to their family or things like that. Say, well, there is hope for you. There's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. There's a hope of a new beginning for you. Let's go on quickly. To console those who mourn. Have you not met people who are sorrowing, who are grieving for one thing or the other? The gospel has a place. The gospel has a place to bring comfort, to bring consolation. Hallelujah. Amen. More than, yes, of course, part of, you know, consoling and comforting people is to, you know, visit them, speak to them, you know. But the real lasting comfort comes from understanding what God can do in their hearts, in their lives. Are you following me? There's a limit to what any human being can do. But there's the power in the gospel to bring comfort to those who are mourning. To, to console those who mourn in Zion, even within the community of God's people, the church of God, the gospel has a place of bringing consolation, of bringing comfort. Look at the next one. To give beauty for ashes. I like this. You know, ashes is a remembrance of a devastation, isn't it? Of a life that once was. Ashes. It's a remembrance of a past. That was once a glow, once a fresh, but something happened. Are you following me? Out of that ashes, the gospel brings beauty. The gospel gives a hope of something beautiful coming out of it. 
These ashes can become the fertilizer for the, for the beginning of a new life, a new hope. Hallelujah. A new dawn. It's about the power of God to bring newness regarding a hopeless past. Oh, may God give us understanding in Jesus' name. God is special, God specializes in that. Are there people who are lamenting their past, who are lamenting things that have gone wrong, things that have been destroyed, devastated? You know, the gospel has a place of bringing beauty out of the ashes of people's lives and experiences. Brothers, the gospel has a place in the life of everyone. I can go on and on in that. Look at what happened. The garment, oil of joy for those who are mourning. Oil of joy for those who are mourning, who are sorrowing. Joy. Have you not heard about the joy of salvation that David talked about in Psalm 51, verse 12? Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Have you not heard from Isaiah prophecy in Isaiah chapter 12? I think about verse 3. And with joy, we will withdraw from the well of salvation. Are you following me? The gospel that brings salvation brings joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Even out of the depth of sorrow, the true gospel of God brings joy. Don't ask me how it does it, but it does it. And there are testimonies abounding. Concerning this. Don't we meet people who are sorrowful all around us? Don't you meet people who nothing you say physically can restore joy to them? Due to one experience or the other, the gospel has a place, brothers and sisters, in bringing joy. In bringing joy. Joy is an internal thing, and God can restore joy to the sorrowful heart. Hallelujah. There is what is called the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation. And I will ref refer to this in another message. We can transform a whole family, a whole environment with joy. And I've given you an example before of people whom we have met, and because of the encounter with the gospel, the entire family rejoiced because one person from the family encountered the gospel. And the change, people could see, what? So this can happen to this person. And there was rejoicing in the entire family. That's what it can do. Amen. Rejoicing. Let's go on. And garment of praise for the spirit of evidence. Those who have a heavy spirit. Do you know that the gospel has the power to transform a heaviness of spirit into a life 
of praise, rejoicing. Hallelujah. I was reading Isaiah chapter 12. Let me just flip there. Isaiah chapter 12. Flip with me to Isaiah. Flip your Bible to Isaiah chapter 12. And you will see even the opening of that passage tells you something. Verse 12 says, and chapter 12, verse 1. And in that day, you will say, Oh Lord, I praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you have comforted me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, or Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. That verse 3 I was referring to. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deed among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord. For he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of Zion. For great is the only one of Israel in your midst. Can you see that? From the heart of someone who had thought, oh, God has rejected me. God, you know, and praise started stream, streaming, thanksgiving to God. Brothers and sisters, that is what the gospel is capable of doing. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And you can see the result. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Can you see that? A, transform, a transformed people, the same set of people, and everyone who sees them say, wow, these are the planting of the Lord. These are the Lord God himself has built up, has nurtured. Have you not seen people like that? That people couldn't recognize them going by their past. And I throw this to everyone and look at all, all the exploits they started doing. Waste places, they begin, they, the people who had been in dejection, in sorrow, they themselves became agents of change for the society. When lives are changed, lives are transformed, society will be changed. Societies will be transformed. The key to this transformation of society is to transform individual lives. Hallelujah. And that can be done through the gospel. By the grace of God, we shall continue from here. Amen. The gospel has a place. in the lives of all men. That's the point we are making today. And so don't hold the gospel from people. Don't hold the gospel from anyone based on your external assessment of them. For there's a place for the gospel in every life. And if you are listening to me, there's an area of your life where you feel poor, wretched, bankrupt, 
whether it's spiritual, whether it is moral, emotional, physical, embrace the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he can do in your life. God does it that he may be praised and glorified. Bow down your heads as we pray together. Just speak to God this morning. Anything you want to tell God, just go ahead and say to the Lord this morning. If you are surrendering your life to the Lord, go ahead and say, Lord, I welcome you into my life so that you can do only what you alone can do in my life. Embrace your salvation. through Jesus Christ and fix the areas of my life that I couldn't have been able to do anything with or anything about by myself. That I may have reason to praise you and to thank you. Amen. Have a great day, everyone. God bless you.